Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you for listening to this program and to AFR. Joining me in studio here in Tupelo is Fred Jackson. Good morning. And Chris Woodward. Good morning. Apology for my phone going off. And for, we didn't even hear it, Chris. You must have it on silent. Pull that when you do the podcast, Brent. (laughs) Nobody will know. And in Kansas City is uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard. Good morning, Ray. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Doing well, the Kansas, the Kansas side, right? Yeah, on the Kansas side, you know. Uh, we're doing good up here. Well, hey, when is the uh, – I guess everybody's getting excited there for the Chiefs uh, opening game, I think huh? it's a week. It's a week from week Sunday. From, week from Sunday. We got the Browns coming in. We're going to beat them, too. The, Cle- the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, hey, we got Patrick Mahomes. Gives I you know. a lot of confidence, there's, you know. It's the Lions' year. There's enough <laughs> – I don't think that's till the end of time, yeah. uh, Chris. Actually, it's yeah. a Bible prophecy. That's about right. The Detroit Lions. And I read that in Third Hezekiah. Revelation four. You have to sort of read it. Um, read in between the lines, so to speak. All right. So, uh, thank you for joining us, folks. If you want to join us on what Ed Battagliano calls that there internet, you just go to Facebook or YouTube and type in today's issues. Today's issues on Facebook or YouTube, and we live video stream the show. And on our Facebook page, we do mention, we do link to the stories that we discuss, so you can have that uh, information for yourselves. Uh, and we will, as uh, we reference the uh, where we get our information. All right. So, uh, by the way, Ray, just curious, just checking with you there. The uh, COVID is explode has. has Exploded all over the South. Is it in the uh, heartland there? Yeah, we, we've been hit. Not as hard as some of the states further to South, like Mississippi, like Florida, I think. But um, Missouri got hit. Kansas got hit. And everybody here is, you know, we all know these things spike up and they go right, down. Right. And we're hoping that we've reached the top and we're about to slide down the other side. Yeah, there's. Cases have surged in uh, here where we live in Mississippi, mm-hmm. but uh, the last month or so. But now I'm hearing that it's like you, you're, you're talking about it's going to be on the other side of that surge. But you know what? This is probably going to go on for a while. It's probably going to go north now. Yeah. Uh, unlike birds, it's going to go north for the winter. Yeah. Um, it's just the way these viruses work. It's this this new COVID um, phenomenon. Well, that you know, you have this variant, and then that, that variant way. supposedly found another one down there in South Africa. We're we're going to be living with this for a while, right. Tim. Right. All right. So uh, we hope you are safe, and we certainly are. We've been praying for our friends in South Louisiana and South Mississippi, in particular, who. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been devastated by the hurricane the last Still uh, hundreds so. of thousands without power, especially South Louisiana. And they say it'll be days uh, in many cases before they get back. A little bit of good news. Uh, I heard a report this morning that in the case of hospitals, 
Now, they've lost power, but they have generators to keep them going. And uh, Congressman Steve Scalise was on Fox and Friends this morning, and I don't know if you have that. We do, yes. But uh, he was talking about the fact that they have enough fuel to run those generators for a long, long time. And so that's good news for those uh, critical areas. Yeah, just to uh, show the audio or to play the audio that Fred mentioned here, this is House Minority Whip Steve Scalise from Louisiana on Fox and Friends this morning saying energy infrastructure is damaged and could take weeks to fix. Clip six. The energy infrastructure, right, that is the most immediate problem right now because, you know, we've talked to the power companies and they, they've got some major lines down, one over the Mississippi River that's in the Mississippi River, a lot of the, the physical structures, uh, substations that are down. So they're still assessing that damage. They were only able to get in starting yesterday, but there's a lot of damage assessment still going on. And, and they're saying be prepared for weeks in some sections of the New Orleans region. And, mm-hmm. of course, you can imagine with 100 degrees, as Janice just talked about, that is a, that's a big concern. Yeah, the heat and humidity now, mm-hmm. uh, no air conditioning, except I guess you go to your automobile. Right. Uh, now, people live without air conditioning for thousands of years, so they it's did. not the worst thing that can happen, but still, it's uh, kind of what your body gets accustomed to, right? right? Yes. Yeah, we don't, uh, We I tell my kids often, like, don't take the um, air conditioning for granted, because it wasn't that long ago that, you know, grandma and grandpa and, and their parents uh, were going to church, uh, living their lives with that uh air conditioning and and uh we oftentimes uh we notice like within seconds ooh, it's hot in here or maybe if the air conditioner thermostat is not to our liking like you know we break a sweat so it is definitely an area of concern uh and particularly for older people that are uh living at home um right now and they've they themselves have gotten accustomed to having cool air by the way in five minutes david barton's going to be joining us from wall builders mm-hmm. And uh, David's been working, I think, with Glenn Beck uh, on this effort to get Christians out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And David's going to have a, an update and a report for us. So I know David's good friends with uh, Glenn Beck. But mm-hmm. uh, I've been fascinated by that whole story. And so David's going to be sharing with us coming up in five minutes. He's going to be calling in to the program. We look forward to that. Absolutely. Uh, back, you know, I, I, I wish... Uh, I was reading a, a, a piece last night on National Review, mm-hmm. and it was with their senior political commentator, Charles Cook. I'm trying to get his exact title. Uh, you can you can go to National Review, and you can read. He's a senior writer for National Review. Yes. You can read just a handful of articles for free, and then they have a subscription you can pay there to get National Review. But um, – <clears throat> Uh, and I was maybe we can get Charles Cook on, but basically the 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 whole story was ab- about how, especially commentators and politicians on the left, want to blame uh, red states for the coronavirus mm-hmm. spread. Yes, and what he was saying here is we need to stop playing politics with this. Because the virus affects everybody and is going to get you one day, by, by you I mean in a broad generic sense, everybody's going to, uh, with a pandemic, a virus like this. And so uh, you have, as, as Ray said earlier, you have surges, you have, uh, and then it subsides. We, 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 we kind of all thought we were over this thing back in when? 
June. Yeah, May, June. We, yeah. we thought, uh, all right, we can breathe easy now, and maybe the COVID nineteen is going to go away, and we get back to you know life as as normal. Mm-hmm. And then, wham! Here comes this variant that uh, attacks our country and and other places in the world too. But he was saying basically, the virus does what the virus wants to do. Yes. It doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter whether you have mask mandates, mm-hmm. whether you have uh, tell people to get vaccinated or not. The, as we see now, the vaccines only last uh, a few months, and then you got to get a booster shot. They're saying now. By the way, the is it the CDC or the FDA? Ray, do you know, or maybe one of you guys know has has put a halt on that, the booster shot, until they can. Do some more research is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. You, you right. guys know, know what I'm talking about? I, I'm okay, not sure well, what, what maybe, body. I thought I read that last night. Well, you, you did, that, that they put a they put a halt on. You know, because for a while there, Tim, all the thing was, okay, if you've been six months or seven months, you need to get a booster shot. And now they have said, no, we got to do more research. I think it's really wise. Yes, uh, let's, me let, too. Let's not, let's not push anything until we've done yeah. enough research. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. So, But his overall point was you'd have to go read it for yourself. It, it's an excellent – did we post that on our – okay. On our Facebook page, um, we did post a link to the National Review article by Charles Cook, C-O-O-K-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if you go online – the online version will give you a very uh, vivid graph. Yes. And what the graph is, is state by state. Right. Um, uh, with regards to how many deaths per 100,000 in the population. Now, if you listen to the mainstream media, watch the mainstream media, you've heard lots of stories about Florida. They're going after Governor DeSantis. Yeah. Yes. And and it irked me right from the beginning when uh, President Joe Biden, back a few months ago now, saying... It is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. So uh, what this article does is refute the attempt to play politics with this. The reality is, uh, as of when this graph was published, New York State has the highest number of deaths per 100,000 in their population. You have to go down to about nine or ten different states to get to Florida. In other words, there's a pile of Democrat states, Democrat-run states, state governments, that are much higher in the death rate than Florida. And and then you, you go on from there. But it's very interesting the way that you have a picture there of the reality. And to your point, to the article's point, Tim, yeah. it, it doesn't matter mass mandates, vaccines, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The virus, as you put it, is going to do what it's going to do. Yeah, and it mentions Israel, too. He says Israel, which has done everything that the loudest critics on the left wanted America to do, is nevertheless stuck in the throes of a devastating surge. He gives examples. Israel has instituted repeated and draconian lockdowns, enforced by drone, no less. It has used national mask mandates. It has vaccinated everyone early and even added booster shots into the mix. And it has even instituted a system of vaccine passports. And right now, it's getting crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it continues, per NPR, despite becoming, quote, the first country on earth to fully vaccinate a majority of its citizens against COVID-19, we're talking about Israel, has one of the world's highest daily infection rates. Nearly one in 150 people in Israel today has the virus. 
And then he says, uh, Charles Cook says, I wonder, is Israel a red state or a blue state? <laughs> and and his, his point again is, and I think he's absolutely right, he said, he, he's making the point that Israel, one of the most, quote, progressive, that's my word, uh, countries when dealing with the uh, virus, had the highest vaccination rate mm-hmm. of any country in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and and just did everything that the left says you should do, mask and... It shut down its tourist industry. Sh- yeah. Still. Yes. We're right. waiting to go right. with a group that was supposed to go in March of 2020, and they've still shut down their country. And and he points out they're getting slammed now with this new surge of the variant. And, and so his point is they're doing everything the left says do. They're getting slammed with the variant. Mm-hmm. So the virus does what the virus wants to do. It does not matter what what you put in to try to mitigate the spread of it. And these these masks, right, don't get me started. Okay, Tim, don't get yourself started. But the mask, those those, I just say this. Mm-hmm. I read this those blue masks that people wear. What do you call those things? I don't the, know. The medical mask. Oh, sure. The N95. No, no, the, the N95. Plastic one. No, the N95 is fifty percent. It has a much higher. Right. 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 Do you know what I'm talking about, Ray? What am I talking about? The blue, well, you, well th- that that blue, it looks like a surgical mask. It's yeah, not the, an N95. Yeah. The surgical mask it, that people wear for three days. That's right. Yeah, before they throw it away. And they put, they put mm-hmm. it on their windshield sure. or whatever yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. That thing has a 10% yeah. uh, success rate. Yes. Uh, 10%. Uh, and that's what, a lot, that's what most people are wearing. Mm-hmm. And even those people are pulling it down below their nose. Or yes. wearing it on their chin. Wearing it on their chin. Mm-hmm. So... In order to have a mask work successfully, you have to actually wear the mask correctly, <laughs> and the vast majority of Americans don't do that. So, all right. Uh, so I didn't get started on that. I was just forty-five seconds, which is good. Uh-huh. Uh But the N95 does work. Much it does. Be- yes. Much better. A lot of people and, have said, you know, I wish I could find one. Yeah. Or I'd rather have one. All right. So. Uh, David Barton joins us now. Uh, David joins us. Uh, he's from Wall Builders. David founded Wall Builders Ministry and uh, is out of the DFW area. How you doing, David? Hey, good, man. Good to be with you. You wearing a mask, David? Oh, are you kidding? This is Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I would get chased out of here if I wore a mask. Uh, you, you're at your headquarters today? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm back back in Texas today, so it's not usual, but I'm glad to be back. Okay. Tell us about what's uh, – t- t- tell our listeners everything we need to know about uh, what you've been working on. Over the weekend, uh, we were in the Middle East. We spent most of the last weekend in the Middle East extracting people out of the mess that is um, the, the stuff we see at Kabul, Afghanistan, et cetera, uh, not, just Af- not just Kabul, but elsewhere. I'll back up um, about six years ago, December 2015, Glenn Beck started something called um, the Nazarene Fund. And it was we were seeing in in the Middle East, specifically as the ISIS calif- was trying to set up the caliphate, they were running through Iraq. And one of the things that happened was the scouts for ISIS, the first ones in, would go through, and if they found any Christians in homes, they would, on the outside of the home, spray paint the symbol, the Arabic symbol, none. Uh, which is kind of a backward sea kind of thing, and it means Nazarene. And, and so this is the home of someone who follows that Nazarene guy. And so what they would do, the, the army coming behind would execute those people, 
And the predominant way they were doing it then was they would take a sharpened pole, erect that in the middle of the yard, and impale all the family on that. So father, mother, all the children, and you'd have a, a stack on an impaled pole outside the house, and that was a, a notice for everybody else. This is what's going to happen to you if you're a follower of the Nazarene. So at that point, we started raising money. We were able, over the course of the next four years or so, to get several hundred thousand uh, moved to safety, and out of that, um, Australia became a great partner. It took several thousands of, of persecuted Christians. We were unable to get any Christians in the United States under the Obama administration. They just would not take Christians to take anywhere else. I guess we could have taken them to the border and walked them across, but we, did, we couldn't get them in illegally. So we had countries all over the world doing that. Then we got into the Trump administration. Things really settled down. The caliphate was fairly well crushed. And so now we see the, the rise again of the Taliban and ISIS forces, and actually 24, 20 different terrorist groups have now moved into Afghanistan, the new home for terrorism. And so we saw that and said, we got to do something to help again. So uh, Glenn, about two weeks ago, asked for donations, and over the course of about four days, about $30 million came in. Um, so Yeah, I know a lot of people want. personally who responded to that and gave money to that effort uh, yeah. but i by, i saw glenn back on one or two of the fox shows tucker carlson i guess and i knew that you you you, you were you were working with him too so yeah what, what's the what's the latest in the last say week or so uh with oh man go ahead well the last it it, it was so bad um the the state department was running stuff Asking the State Department to run this is what they call a neo-operation, the, the non-combatant evacuation operation, where you get non-combatants out of there. That is a military operation because you're doing it in a military area with enemy around, and they're the ones that do that always. And so the State Department said, no, we can do that, which is kind of like asking the post office to take over the Department of Agriculture. It's not, not going to work. And it, it was abominable. And, and so the, the disasters that happened uh, from pulling out the military before you pulled out the civilians where we lost our, our protection cover um, from literally the State Department was asked by the Taliban. They said, hey, we're on the outskirts of the city. We'll either let you have a perimeter on the outskirts of the city or around the airport. What do you want? And they chose around the airport. They could have chosen around the city. They told the Taliban, come on. And they said, well, we believe you'll respect your word. How'd that work out for us? So it was it was so crazy that on the civilian side of the airport, the uh, the military actually asked our guy that runs the Nazarene Fund to take over all civilian flights. So in the last week, we pretty much were running the civilian side of the airport, and we were getting flights out on a regular basis. Um, I saw numbers last night. It looked like we got a, on the civilian side, we got about 8,900 uh, refugees, Christian refugees, SIVs, P1, P2 passport holders out. Uh, the problem we had was the State Department didn't like us running stuff. So we had a plane, for example, going to Macedonia loaded with Christians and refugees, those that ISIS is trying to kill. They're on the hit list. And uh, the State Department called ahead to Macedonia and said, hey, don't take these planes. They called Australia. Uh, Australia was taking 3,500. They said, no, we're not taking well, Why would State you do Department something like that? Mm. Why, why in the, that's, that's wicked. Why would you do something like oh, that? Uh, hey, not only is that wicked, let me give you another one. We had just brought in uh, several groups that were on the protected list, several groups that had been vetted. They're on the State Department list. Um, we got them inside the, the compound, and this is four days ago now. We got them inside the compound of safety, and they were predominantly Christians 
and they were predominantly women and children uh, without husbands. Husbands had been killed or lost, uh, and there were also a bunch of orphans in the group. Uh, there were some SIV holders as well, and so got them all inside, and according to the State Department rules, they had to be thrown out. So military threw them out because the State Department didn't want them in there, and just seconds after they threw them out, maybe a minute after they threw them out, is when that bomb went off outside that gate. And, and so these were the guys standing around that gate that had just been thrown out uh, of safety. And they're on the list. They're vetted. They've already been cleared. And apparently the State Department didn't want them in there, and so threw them out, and that's where that bomb went off. And so, I, I mean, just watching the abomination uh, of the State Department on how they handled this, uh, we finally, uh, last week as we were over there, started calling countries where we had connections, and we have multiple countries now taking these refugees, but we're not saying what countries they are, because as soon as we do, State Department starts intervening, trying to say, no, 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 don't, don't take. So even this morning, it looks like we've lined up another three countries, but we're not talking out loud on what they are, because State Department is such an abomination on this. Well, uh, do, do, they, do they have a, uh, do, do they, do, is it because they're Christians, and the, and the, the Biden administration and the secular progressives don't, won't Christians coming to the U.S., or, do you, you or know, what's going on here? President Trump talked about the swamp, you know, D.C., and, and he didn't know how big it was, and he didn't even know that the, that the upper echelons of the Pentagon, and he wasn't aware at the time that if you're a one- or two-star general, you get that by merit. If you're a three- or four-star general, you get that by presidential choice. And, and so that that's why Milley, for example, was declined twice under Bush to be advanced because they did not think he was militarily competent. But under Obama, oh, this is a good good guy. Look at his philosophy. And he's so woke that that Biden said, this is my guy. So when you get to a third and four-star general, it's really about political philosophy as much as anything. And Trump didn't learn that until the last yeah. year of his office and wasn't able to, to do much with the Pentagon to clean clean out some of that. So you have the same problem. But if there's, if there's a swamp in D.C., the most alligators are in the State Department. Second most would be in the, in the Justice Department. And so right, right now we have from uh, military personnel all the criminal activity that the State Department has engaged in that literally is criminal. What they've done violates laws. It, it's cost life. they got blood on their hands. And if you think the, the Justice Department is going to prosecute any of those guys, I don't know what world you live in because they're not about to embarrass the administration or anything else. That's the swamp. And so within the swamp, you have people that don't care about Joe Biden, they don't care about Donald Trump or anything except their own agenda. You cannot fire people at that level in, in the State Department or Justice Department. The federal government has set up and has set up employees in such a way that they are not accountable. And you have in the State Department open communists, open Marxists, open socialists. They hate America. They're going to do anything they can to embarrass America. And it doesn't matter what the administration is. You remember all the way back to Ronald Reagan when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, carry down this wall. The State Department immediately put out a communique to all the nations that this does not represent our view. What do you mean it doesn't represent your view? This is your president. Well, he's not our president. And it's been that thing. And when Trump wanted to say, hey, let's move the embassy to Israel, what was blocking the State Department? So these guys, it's a renegade kind of thing. But it's been that because we don't allow them to be accountable. You just can't fire them. So this is strictly State Department has its own agenda, and it really doesn't care what Biden's agenda is and doesn't care what anybody else's agenda. They just don't like America. And, and so that's a whole lot of At least that's what a whole lot of us who kind of know that world really firmly believe, and that's the but, evidence we see going on. David, where can people go to follow what you guys are doing? Uh, 
trying to get these. The NazarenePhone.org is a, is a great place to go. What what uh, is it now? Mercury. What what is it again? The the NazarenePhone.org. Uh, we'll be working for months to get all these people relocated and still pulling people. Even yesterday, we got some more more groups out of Afghanistan. So this is ongoing. We'll be doing this for months, literally. Uh, but the NazarenePhone.org will have information. Okay. Hey, thank you, brother. God bless Appreciate you. Appreciate it, guys. And tell, bless tell, y'all. tell Glenn Beck and all those working with you guys that we appreciate their efforts. Praying for them. You bet. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the support thank and the prayers. We appreciate it. Okay. We'll be back in a minute, everybody. The Gospel. What I heard on the radio, you guys have changed my life vital information. My kids and I are so thankful for you and we love your news and everything that you'll give out. God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture. We'd love to hear your story. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. You might hear yourself on the air during our share October 12th, 13th, and 14th. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God. After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit inhisimage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU. Dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. The war in Afghanistan is over. At least that's what the Biden administration says. The last American troops are gone, leaving behind an untold number of American citizens now trapped behind enemy lines, abandoned by their government. Hundreds of students at American University were told by the State Department help would not be coming. They were on their own. The White House admitted they had given the Taliban a list of every American and every Afghan ally still in the country, a de facto kill list. The Taliban's been going door to door, hunting down Christians and our allies. There have already been reports of unspeakable atrocities. Interpreters had their tongues ripped out, Christians skinned alive. The Biden administration even left behind more than 100 military service animals. Dogs literally left in cages. Say what you will about President Trump, but he would have never left behind man's best friend. I'm Todd Stearns. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
1 Peter 1.3. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio. We were talking to David Barton there about uh, his efforts, along with uh, Glenn Beck, to get as many Christians out of Afghanistan as they can before the Taliban murders them all, because that's what's going to happen, sadly and tragically. I want to ask you, Ray, you have, you've traveled the world, yeah, and... Uh, we here in the U.S. and in Canada, where Fred's from, we just take uh, uh, freedom and religious liberty for granted. And uh, we don't think about killing people because of whatever faith they are. If they're no faith at all. That isn't that doesn't factor in our thinking here in the West, at least in this, in North America. But it doesn't in Europe either, really. Uh, but But now... Probably 50, 60% of the world, that's not the case. You want to talk about that? You know, the Taliban want to establish in Afghanistan, and I guess now, Tim, they're going to, not just a, quote, a republic, but an Islamic republic, which will be built around the tenets of Sharia law, extreme. It has been difficult, let's face it, in the last 20 years, it's been very difficult to be a Christian in Afghanistan, but God has been building his church. But now, if you're a Christian in Afghanistan, now that American troops and the other allies have pulled out, you've got a target on your back. They they are coming after you. If you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're any sort of outspoken Christian, or if they even suspect that you're a Christian. I mean, we've seen these videos Right. Of, of what the Taliban and the, the people hanging from the helicopters and stuff like that. So what the Nazarene Fund is doing is so, so important. And it's really important that we should pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. China is a different situation. We're not talking about an Islamic republic. We're talking secular totalitarianism, communist totalitarianism that is going after Christians, churches, underground. Let me ask you one question. Let me ask you one question related to what you just talked about. And then Fred, you can respond or Chris, but, but Ray, uh, what is it that motivates the Taliban? When they get up every day, you know, grab their rifles and, and, and then head out to their, to brutalize people and uh, control Afghanistan. Now, what is their uh, what is their reason for living? We can think of it on two levels, Tim. On the broad level, we can think that there is within Islam the whole principle of submission that we're going to be in charge and you are going to submit to us. And by definition. Christians do not submit to Islam. By definition, we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So from the get-go to people who follow this line of submission, uh, Christians are the enemy. They stand on the other side. There's a second level, Tim, which we've talked about that that clearly is motivating some of these militants, the idea of uh, 
Um, you, you, you kill somebody in the name of your religion, especially if you're a suicide bomber, say, and you give yourself up in the name of your own religion, there's going to be some great reward for you on the other side. How else do you explain what happened in the suicide bombing a few days ago at the airport in Kabul? Whoever did that, whoever was behind that. And I mean, Tim, think about it. Somebody had to strap those, somebody had to strap those, uh, uh, bombs. The explosion. Yeah, the bomb. They had to strap the bombs on, and they weren't. We don't think they weren't forced to do it. They did it voluntarily. They did it in the service of their own perverted religious worldview. But they thought that when the bomb went off and then they blew to pieces themselves, they were going to get a reward on the other side. That is, and that's religious extremism on steroids. I suppose you would say it's really hard to answer that somebody is willing to be blown up in the service of their own religion. You don't reason with people. You don't bargain with people like that. There's nothing to bargain with them about. You know, it's interesting in the wake of nine 11, I remember your dad saying, Tim, that this was going to be the best thing that ever happened to Islam. And he was exactly right. Everybody started asking questions about Islam and, and people started to say, well, I have Muslim friends and they're really peaceful. They don't go along with flying planes into towers and blowing themselves up. You have to understand the history. They look to their prophet Muhammad. When Muhammad started his religious campaign, he tried to win people over with words. Well, that didn't work. So that's when he, t- he turned to terrorism. And so that is the Islam that these terrorists follow. They follow this, what Muhammad did in the latter part of his, his time here on this earth. He began to kill people who didn't go along with him. And that's the Muhammad, that is the Islam that these terrorists now believe in. The, uh, yesterday, after the Americans had let, have let uh, Kabul, uh, the American military, one of the first things they did, they held a little news conference at the airport, the, the, the Taliban leadership, and they said, we want to be peaceful, but we are going to run this according to Islamic law, Sharia. And what does Sharia mean? Sharia means there's no room for anybody else. Submission, right? It means submission. Uh, And we won't allow any other religion, which is why, going back, we just talked to David Barton about, is that Christianity will not be tolerated. It's not tolerated in Iran. Nor nor will other religions, right? No, Buddhism, whatever the the case may be. But the Taliban. It it is is singular, and you must submit. If you don't submit, we'll we'll kill you. Is this an opportunity, do you think, for churches, maybe even small groups, to go over what it is other religions believe, in Mm -hmm. this case, Islam, and compare and contrast that to what we believe, and maybe even educate us on how to reach these people for Christ? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's Christianity. You know, when people hear the gospel, it's the reason it's called good news. And the good news is that we, have, we serve a God who loves us, loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to come to earth to pay the price for our sins. No other religion compares to that. The other religions basically, and, and Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, are, are, are works-based. That, that's exactly right. Be, be a good person, do this, do this set of rules, and maybe you will please our God. Uh, with us, is there's, we're all sinners. And Jesus came to pray, pay the price for our sins. What we do is accept what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Then we become sons and daughters 
of the living Heavenly Father. I mean, that's why it's good news. Yeah, we can't the, work our way to heaven. But, right, yes, that's the gospel message right there. But let me ask you this, right? What, uh, what, <clears throat> but uh, not, not, not all, we have to say this, not all Muslims are uh, subscribers to Sharia. No. Or to right. uh, radical ideology. Right. Radical ideology. In fact, the Muslims in, in uh, the vast majority of people, I would guess, in Afghanistan who are now subject to the brutality of the Taliban are themselves Muslims. Sure. Right? Right. So, but, but, um, but the groups like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, um, they believe in that, 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 that they are pleasing Allah by killing infidels. Yes. So you, we want you that that's hard for people in the West to get their brain around, but that's why they blow themselves up. Mm -hmm. These people, uh, the Taliban, when they, uh, you know, terrorize people in their own country there, they believe they're doing the will of Allah because Allah's happy when you kill the infidels who don't serve and submit to Islam, to Allah, to the prophet Muhammad. And, and that's why they hate America, and that's why they hate Israel. Right. Because we, we serve that God that is the enemy of Islam. Right, right. And, and we, are, we are the great Satan, and uh, because we support Israel, or most in this country support Israel, that makes us their enemy. Yeah, it's just a... Those, I looked at some of those Taliban fighters yesterday uh, on a video. There was a video of them, uh, I guess, capturing a television station. Yes. Cabal, did y'all see that? Yes. Standing behind the anchor with guns and and ordering him to say good things about the Taliban. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, did you see the eyes of those guys? Uh, yes. But America is back, people. What are you, what you, know, about, you know, Biden has said repeatedly this year, America is back, diplomacy, and we just had this happen. Uh, oh, well. You know, Biden can say that yeah. all he wants. I don't think anybody outside of the White House believes that, Chris. Is it I malarkey, think, would you say, <laughs> to use one of his terms? Malar malarkey and then some. Right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shameful thing that has happened. Indeed. It's a, it's a shameful thing that America has done, that our American president has done. So, no, we're not back again, not by this standard, not at all. It's just, it's a tragedy. And I'm, I was thinking about the what the Nazarene Fund is doing. That is dangerous work. Oh, yeah. Yes. That is dangerous work. Going and, and just think about it, Chris, now. Go over there now and try to get people out with sure. the U.S. military gone. And they're still doing it. So God bless them because they're laying their lives on the line to get Christians out of harm's way. Right. And by the way, just one other thing for churches to think about, because Chris, you, you brought up the question of, isn't this a good time to do some apologetic teaching? hundred mm percent. -hmm. Yes. And if you also, eventually there's going to be a big wave of Afghan refugees heading our way. Mm -hmm. Now we can talk about the vetting and all of that. That's a, that's one kind, that's one side of the issue, right. but I would encourage churches, especially in, in around in, uh, cities of any size, we're doing it here in Kansas city. There's a great wave not to some of them trickling in now, but in the days and weeks ahead, there's going to be Afghan refugees coming to mm -hmm. the U.S. Great opportunity for churches right. to open their doors, hearts and hands, and welcome 
these friends from Afghanistan and a great chance to befriend them in the name of Christ. Yeah, and if I may, also, you know, we're talking about this at a time in which a lot of people, uh, pastors, uh, are kind of preparing for a Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, as we call it, um, in my church. And, uh, you know, don't, when the time comes for a prayer request, don't not mention Afghanistan and the people there, the people trying to help. Um, certainly, we want to pray for leaders, as Ray has done for our president uh, in, in recent discussions on the show about Afghanistan. Um, and certainly, you know, pray for uh, the things that you hear about the news. You know, Engage, one of the ministries we have here at uh, AFA, uh, we had an article one time called Praying Through the News, and it was basically encouraging you to pray for whatever it is that you see and hear about in the news. Don't just go, oh, that's unfortunate, or maybe get all mad and hot and bothered and go to social media like a lot of people do. Pray about the things that you're hearing on the news as well um, and stay engaged that way. But just don't get hot and bothered? Well, you can, but do it uh, in a Christian way. How about that? <laughs> okay. Uh, you're listening to the radio program, Today's Issues. Should you want to send us an email, go to comments at AFR.net, comments at AFR.net. Tim, with Fred, Chris, and yes. Ray. Next story, Chris. Well, you know, we are talking about all, all of today's discussion involves Afghanistan, obviously, and I don't want to not... We did make some COVID in there. We did make... Well, yes, yeah. and, and some it's, Louisiana. Variety's a spice of life. <laughs> it is. Um, but I want to play this audio because yesterday, officially, uh, the Biden administration uh, made an end to the 20-year war in Afghanistan, and they brought out Secretary of State Antony Blinken to make the formal announcement yesterday. And one of the things that Secretary Blinken talked about, admitted even, was the number of Americans left behind in Afghanistan, adding he doesn't know exactly how many people are left. Clip one. We made extraordinary efforts to give Americans every opportunity to depart the country in many cases talking and sometimes walking them into the airport. Of those who self-identified as Americans in Afghanistan who are considering leaving the country, we've thus far received confirmation that about 6,000 have been evacuated or otherwise departed. This number will likely continue to grow as our outreach and arrivals continue. We believe there are still a small number of Americans, under 200 and likely closer to 100, who remain in Afghanistan and want to leave. We're trying to determine exactly how many. We're going through manifests and calling and texting through our lists, and we'll have more details to share as soon as possible. Now, what makes that even worse, and I have this audio as well, Brent, just a few weeks ago, President Biden sat down with George Stephanopoulos, former Clinton guy now running ABC News pretty much, and Biden told Stephanopoulos we would not leave any Americans behind. Clip two. All troops are supposed to be out by August 31st. Even if Americans and our Afghan allies are still trying to get out, they're going to leave? We're going to do everything in our power to get all Americans out and our allies out. Does that mean troops will stay beyond August 31st if necessary? It depends on where we are and whether we can get ramp these numbers up to five to 7,000 a day coming out. If that's the case, they'll all be out. Because we've got like ten to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. So according to Blinken, we left one to 200 people there, even though the president had said we would not leave any Americans behind. Right. Any thoughts on that there? Look, 
this whole thing has been a disaster, right? It's been a Tim a total disaster, and we we for whatever reason we agreed to the Taliban deadline of of today that had to be out by today. Why didn't we? We've got the military might. Why didn't we say we're going to stay another week? Let's just say their numbers are accurate. Let's say it's two hundred. Just just take that. I. Not really sure what to believe at this point, but even take that number. Give us another week. We are the United States of America. We don't leave our people behind. We just say to the Taliban, we'll be gone when we're gone, and we're not leaving until we get all of our people out. So how well, how would you feel if you're in that 200 stuck in Afghanistan now? Well, I hopefully their stories will come out if that's true. I mean, I'm not doubting it's true. There are Americans who are still there. The Secretary of State just admitted it, right? Yeah. Um, why they didn't get to the airport, I don't know, except that the, the, the same State Department right there kept saying, come to the airport. Mm-hmm. Don't come to the airport. Come to the airport. Don't come to the airport. Come to the airport. Don't come to right. the airport. Remember right. that? That's yeah. been going on for two weeks now because of the uh, threats mm-hmm. that were, uh, that were, you know, existing. So, uh, you know, they've made a calculated decision here yeah. that yeah. Uh, it was time to leave. In fact, they left a day early. Yes. Now, it, for those that didn't see the entire speech by Blinken, he did go on to tell reporters that if an American who stayed behind does decide at some point in the future they want to come to America, they can contact America and we will come and get them. But how do we do that when we don't control anything there? We can't just drop in. Well... Yeah, he did say right there that uh, they were been in. They're trying to reach these people and and be in contact with them via phone, text, whatever, so they can get them out. If they're American citizens, uh, that's that's who we're that's you know that's well, who we're talking. But the about. problem, the United States doesn't have any cards to play. Right. That that's the problem. The problem is the United States. No, you're right. They. Biden administration made a decision to surrender anything that we had in the way of power in Afghanistan. They made that decision about a month ago. When they saw the Taliban taking province by province, they just decided, you know what, it's time to cut and run. And what they did was they make this agreement with the Taliban. um, We're going to move out of Bagram. We're going to move out of our embassy and we're going to move all our forces to the civilian airport. And by the way, we'll allow you Taliban to do the checkpoints, all to be TSA around the airport. Mm-hmm. I, I stop and think about that. We were we were succumbing. The United States of America, the most powerful military force in the world. Can you imagine the Chinese doing this, surrendering no. to a no. terrorist group, and giving them control? Before we were able to get everybody out that needed to get out, and yeah, well, that's the, that's why that's why the whole world acknowledges this was a colossal uh, failure yeah, on the yeah. part of uh, the uh, uh, President Biden and his whole team. Quite yeah. frankly, do you Tra- guys want to hear what Donald Trump has to say about this? Sure. Okay, I have some audio here. This is former President Trump yesterday on the Todd Storm Show. Uh, saying what happened in Afghanistan under Biden would not have happened under a Trump administration. Clip three. We would not have left people behind and we wouldn't have left 
one dollar worth of equipment behind, let alone $83 billion, which is inconceivable. And I would have taken the equipment out. I would have taken the people out. And then we would have bombed every base but Bagram. We had to keep that because that's near China and Iran. They're trying to now the narrative Biden got out like he's brave. He got out like a man that was just fleeing for his life. This is the United States of America. All over the world, they're laughing at us because of the way. Withdrawal is fine, but you withdraw with dignity and with victory. We had victory. Who do you think is is running the White House right now? I have no idea who's running the White House, but whoever it is is doing a terrible job. There you have it. Report card. Mm. President Trump never won to. Yeah, it's so words. hard to get a comment out out of that guy. Um, you know, I who's running the White House, Ray? I'm clueless about that. I don't think it's Joe Biden. I, I really don't. I think I, someone I, clearly is controlling him. Because how many times have we played clips of him saying, "I'm going to get in trouble if I ask questions," right? Or who's right. giving him the list of people to well, call? That's Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki is telling him who he can and can't talk to. In my opinion, I'm just, I'm just guessing here. I have no, but I, she's the public relations. I mean, she's the uh, media spokesperson for the White House, and I'm sure she meets with the president daily, and she tells him, uh, you know, who the players are out there who are asking questions, who you can take questions from. But I'm talking not 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 that part. I'm talking about who's the puppeteer. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. If there is one, if there is one. You know, maybe somehow, it's, somehow, maybe it's scarier if just Biden's running the show. Go ahead. I don't think it's Kamala. I mean, I don't get any. I don't get no. any sense that she's running the show. No. So who is it then? Mm-hmm. No, it's not Kamala Harris. Uh, she does. She's still studying root causes right, of, right. Uh, <laughs> of of a million plus people coming here illegally, and so it's not. Of course, this is all speculation and guessing. Fred, who do you think is in control of the White House? I, I think it's a kind of a, a combination of individuals. I'm no fan of Nancy Pelosi, but Nancy Pelosi is a very powerful figure. So on the legislative side, Nancy Pelosi is running the show, not Joe Biden. Oh, sure. Uh, and and I, I would put Chuck Schumer under Nancy Pelosi as well. I mean, is George she, she, Soros making the calls at the White House, or who is? Uh, that's what I want to know. Uh, or maybe it's just Joe Biden. I and I have I have this speculation also that the Democrats knew that Joe Biden was going to be weak, so they've got forces in behind him that are actually calling the shots. That's what I'm talking about. Who are they? Yeah. Well, it it has to be some of the staff members. There's there's a lot of Barack Obama people in behind Joe Biden. And I think they still have a lot of influence. Yeah. It's very scary because the president, any president, for a long time now has been thought of as the most powerful person on the planet. And that person has somebody controlling him. Who is it, Chris? Come on, man. I think it's somebody that works at the White House. Um, I don't know that it's Kamala. I think she's purposely She doesn't work at the White House. Well, correct. That is fair. Um... I, I don't know who it is, but somebody okay. clearly it's there the is mystery. telling him what to do. It's the mystery man, our girl. Hillary Clinton. Uh, but but I, I think he's a willing puppet. I think Joe Biden is a willing puppet. In other yeah. words, he's happy to take orders from somebody because I we've talked about this. His cognitive ability is there. 
I, I think they wanted somebody that they could control. And I think Joe Biden may be gone by next year. Well, they, whoever they are, couldn't control Bernie Sanders. No. Huh? That's right. But Joe Biden was a company man. Yeah, that's who, right. Who could be controlled. Yes. So that's the reason they went with him over Bernie Sanders. And, you know, that guy, you know, in 2016, we were talking about how uh, he and other people claimed he was getting robbed by Hillary Clinton of the nomination. Bernie Sanders. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, after they realized Bernie has a bunch of young people that, for whatever reason, follow him and would follow him to the ends of the earth, the party moves further to the left to try to attract Bernie's people. Bernie is not a Democrat. He's an independent, but for whatever reason, he wants to pretend to be a Democrat when there's a presidential election. So the Democrats' party moves further to the left to attract Bernie's people, and then he is the front runner in 2020, and all of a sudden they're scared of socialism, and so they <clears throat> throw all their weight behind Biden, but still love Bernie. We don't know who the individuals are, but I would say it's the far, far left of the party. Look at what he's done with the border. Look at what he's doing with multi-trillion dollar budgets, socialism galore. True. So, so it is the far left of the party that is controlling the strings of what we call President Biden. But the far left of the party and the Democrats, uh, which represents 60% of the party, mm -hmm. they struck a bargain, a deal with the uh, Democrat establishment to support Biden even though Biden traditionally his record wouldn't have been far enough left yes. for a uh, for the uh, the Sanders wing. Yes, yes, the AOCs, the all AOCs. of these. But but Biden and whoever really runs him uh, said we'll give you everything you want, just get behind our guy mm -hmm. here in the election because we have to beat Orange Man bad. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious who you guys thought was. We weren't very helpful, were we? Well, <laughs> it's hard to tell. What? There's a curtain. So yep. something's going on behind the curtain in the em in the Emerald City. Yep, there's yeah. a curtain. Pull it back, and who's 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 in control? I uh, will. We'll be back in five minutes. Uh, stay with us with more of today's issues. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.